Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Mark Pattison. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. You've been at this game a number of years, started out in residential like so many people and moved up into multifamily. Before we dive into the details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. I was born and raised in Seattle and then decided don't want to stand in the rain anymore. Um, went to college at Seattle U, did the kind of Pacific Northwest thing. I love it there. But I said, I'm going to move to Southern California and become a real estate agent. Uh, I didn't even have a car, so I didn't know how this was going to actually happen. But uh, eight years ago, I got licensed in residential real estate. I still do residential real estate, uh, but I run a team called Porchlight. We have 65 agents. Last year, we did 800 residential sides. And so we're one of the larger teams, but now I own escrow. I have partnerships with title. I own a lending company. Uh, we do development flips, the development stuff though, to be honest, it's a new game, but I, I like to venture into that. So I have two development projects going on and it's something that I'm learning about every day. Um, but I'm always, always on the go. As you can tell, I'm just like, what's next. So I'm a newbie as well, but I like to think I know a little bit, but there's always more to learn. I love it. Well, there's no set career path into this business at all. I mean, we're developers and that's what we do day in, day out. And it's certainly not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's uh, certainly a business that's gone through a lot of change over the last couple of years and a lot of change even in the last 90 days. So it's uh, it's a difficult business, but it's, it's also a very rewarding business because you get to create things new each and every day, which is part of what I love about it. So fast forward to today, you're doing a couple of development projects. When you're strictly focusing on investment projects, I know you've got a little bit of a different take from some investors. Uh, What's your investment philosophy and has it changed even in the last 90 days? Yes. So, I mean, it's probably because I'm maybe I'm naive, uh, but I'm new to this. Like I said, I've always done the Airbnb route. Airbnbs. I have a couple of real estate coaches that I've gone through, but my coach I had for five years, uh, he quit coaching recently, but his thing was always have plan B no matter what. So if Airbnbs get banned or if you're planning to do a hotel, you know, always have those backup plans and see how you can have an exit strategy. So I, I started out just doing your typical triplex, duplex, Airbnb them versus long-term rental. San Diego now has come in with a regulation that you can only have one per person. There's a couple loopholes and stuff, but I figured, hey, if they're they're cracking down on it, I sold a couple properties, uh, 1031. I now am going after larger projects. So I just bought a 11 unit apartment complex in Henderson in an opportunity zone. And we're gonna more than likely tear that down and build, we're having all the plans done now. I was with the city yesterday. Um, Henderson, Nevada, it's right outside of Las Vegas, about 20 minutes. They have a huge redevelopment of their downtown. So most of it's in the opportunity zone. They have a ton of grant money that they're offering and a lot of loan programs through the government to do development projects. And they're very lenient on parking and commercial versus residential. So it's a great time if you can get in with the city, figuring out, you know, even the smaller towns where they want investors to come in and build some properties for them. I mean, it's, it's a great location. And that's kind of my philosophy is like, you don't have to do the, the largest projects. Um, it'll probably end up being about 70 to 80 apartments. So it's not small, but it's built from ground up. And, you know, my ROI on it, it's going to be, especially with the grant money, the fact that I paid cash for the land right now, I'm going to sit back and uh, it'll be pretty interesting, but it'll be about a three-year project. Fabulous. Well, one of the things that we've always focused on from a development standpoint 
you know, because the cost of construction varies very little between an A-class apartment and a C-class apartment. There's only a few percentage points difference because all the changes really are the finishes. And the finishes are a very small percentage of the total of the overall budget. When you go into development, uh, have you designed it for a particular target customer? Because often when you say opportunity zone, that tends to imply it's a slightly lower income area. Which if you go in and look at the opportunity zones across America, you'd be shocked. Well, if you're ever on vacation, look up the opportunity zone for the area you're in, go there. A lot of the times they're not that bad. The one, the one in Henderson, I'm like, how is this an opportunity zone? So they have the new Golden Knights um, for the, well, they're not new, but they've been the hockey team for Vegas. They have the Silver Knights practice arena right next to this location. It's brand new. They've got tons of restaurants and pubs along Water District Street. And the Water District has a farmer's market every weekend. It's a cool, hip area. It's right next to one of the community college. It's got coffee shops, restaurants, and then City Hall is directly across the street from my building. So... It's, it's at, and the city hall is brand new. Like you would have no idea that this is in a bad area. So mine is going for more A-class, um, but I'm the king of finding like, what can I do to make this place look amazing on a very good budget? So I've got great design technique in my going and I'm the one who does all the designs for my remodels. I pick everything and then I just give the GC everything. Very, very interesting. So th- this is actually an interesting case study because, like you said, there probably are not just this one, but numerous other opportunity zones all over the country th- where they really are almost too good an area to be an opportunity zone. Yeah. I'm in a building right now. Next to us is Sprouts. It's basically like a Whole Foods. Yeah. And this is an opportunity zone. And then there's a U.S. bank and there's a CVS. It's, I mean, you can walk right outside my front door and my parking lot, it's all my, all my agents for my team. I mean, it's a nice area. No one's cars ever have any issues. There's no homeless. It's so you think opportunity zone is going to be like the up and coming, but it's some of them have already been there. And there's a couple plots that maybe the seller never sold, but now maybe they're interested. There was a point in time, especially during the heat of this crazy market that we've gone through over the last couple of years, where if someone got a 10% discount, they thought they were getting a bargain. I think most people's perspective has changed today where, you know, the, the definition of a of a deal is a little bit more realistic than that. As you're undertaking these projects, how are you underwriting them? Are you underwriting them based on cap rates of six months ago? Are you underwriting them based on cap rates of 2012 at the bottom of the market? How do you how do you pick? I look at it because when I was doing this most recent purchase for the one in Henderson, I was looking at, hey, if I went didn't go here, where else am I going to go? And it's, so it's almost like your comparables and also looking at underwriting, it's like, if I didn't buy this, what would I buy? And I just did apples to apples comparison on all these different properties. And it was more of a per unit. Okay. If I can get, you know, 20 units at this price, or if I can get 35 units at this price. And I just went through and I was like, man, for $130,000 a unit, the rents, the owners own this property for probably about 15 years. He hasn't raised the rents much. So in its current state, it's at about 50% what it should be rented at. So their cap rate that they had on it was nowhere near even what it could potentially be within a few months. Plus, I want to fix it up a little bit before we develop it. And I'm just saying a little cosmetic, you know, paint, make some new cabinets, et cetera. Um, But I'm going to go in, buy it, depreciate it, do a cost segregation study. Then I'll probably demo it later, do it again, build up, segregate that one as well. And then so I have two cost seg studies on one property, which I've done now. Last year, I had four cost segs. So helped with my taxes. Uh, you know, it's helping overall with everything. And 
I don't really look at it as like, oh, this deal has to pencil exactly. Otherwise, I'm not going for it. I feel like if I'm in a great area, I can make almost anything pencil. I can make anything work for what I needed to. Now, may there be a better investment somewhere else. But for me, I wanted it to be a close proximity. Nevada versus Florida. I can fly to Nevada in 45 minutes. Florida is an entire week, you know, seven hours to get there from San Diego. So that played a lot into it. I, I wanted to personally get out of California for tenant law. And Arizona, I think, is the new California. So that put me into more Nevada. So it was kind of just like figuring out where I wanted to be. Um, so it's, I don't go into like the, the granular of just that one deal. I look at the whole picture. Fascinating. So one of the things that's obviously difficult as you're undertaking development deals, I mean, today I know that we're getting construction quotes on projects and they're literally all over the map. I mean, they are, you know, some bids from sub, some subcontractors are coming in 70%, 90% above budget for those specific line items. And it's easy to have an emotional reaction to that and go, my gosh, is this the new normal? How, how has that process been for you as you've gone through this process? Because uh, literally the numbers are all over the place. So on the one that we have here that the building I'm in, this will be demoed and turned into a hotel slash apartment complex in San Diego. And First, our business partners and I, we were looking at it and we were talking to a couple different developers, architects, and they were trying to use people outside of the area. Oh, hey, I like this style. I'm like, I don't really care about the style because whatever. I just went directly to people who are building in the neighborhood currently. And I said, hey, I bought this plot of land and two lots next to each other. And they said, hey, we'll come stop by. And I just taken their advice and I'm just not making sure I rely on one person. I'm going in and getting three people for every single thing and getting three architects, three builders, three GCs, going through all of it and seeing what they quote. And to be honest, ours have actually been pretty close. Um, there's one been one builder that, you know, did the quotes, did everything. His numbers are right. But then he just said, hey, I'm too busy for this project because it's not big enough. But still, at least I have his numbers there for free. And so, but we found that those three were actually pretty close. But we're also going after people that are currently building or have recently built. I mean, their signs are up on everything. Just go take a picture, call the builder and you know, hey, who did the architecture for it or who did this? A lot of times the architect will be up there. Um, the one in Vegas, there's a building going up right next to us and they had the signs up. Sure enough, I called them yesterday, started talking to them. Hey, what's going on with the project? I talked to the city, city hall and they said, oh, the planning department said that they had been stopped for a while and they weren't sure why. So the builder didn't say why they were stopped. He wasn't giving me very much info, but the HVAC guy said, well, they actually owe me money and this. And so I'm like, well, that's perfect. That's a builder I would not use. Um, but do that research to figure out. And then that's how you can get your quotes. That's in, and don't ever rely on one. Why not? Of you know, get a couple people in there, figure out. But I think grabbing people from the area is a great, cause they know, they know what's going on and they probably know the people at the city to get everything approved. Awesome. Well, Mark, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yes. So I do have a podcast as well on YouTube. You can figure it out. Uh, Mark Patterson show. So if you look, spell my name, it's P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, a little bit different. Uh, and then also on Instagram, it's the same Instagram handle. And I'm more than happy to help. I know a lot more about residential. I'm always learning about the commercial aspects and the multi-units, um, but I'm excited. I just see the numbers are just exponential of what I can do with the flip versus having to do a, you know, 70 plus apartment building. It's, it's very interesting. It's fun to see. Love hearing about your journey and love hearing your perspective. Uh, best of luck in both San Diego and in Henderson. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Mark on his podcast, The Mark Pattison Show. The link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend.
go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>